Wow, that was wonderful. Thank you so much, worship team. Whew. God's presence is in this place. God is in this place, not because the music is good, but because we are united and worshipping Him. And God says, where two or more are gathered, there He is. And God is here in our midst right now. Amen. Amen. We believe that God is going to do a wondrous thing in this place. He's going to heal the sick. He's going to make blind eyes open. He's going to open deaf ears in this place. Amen. Amen. Come on, if you believe me, say amen. 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 First of all, happy Chinese New Year, everybody. Happy Chinese New Year. I see a lot of you wearing red. Uh, I'm not in red. There's a reason why I'm not in red, okay? Uh, the reason why I'm not in red is because I cannot fit into my red shirt anymore. <laughs> There's nine days of feasting, uh, non-stop, every day, lots of different food, wonderful, wonderful food, the celebration, the celebrities and all that. Yes, it's really good and because of that serious, I kid you not, I, I can't fit into my red shirt anymore. I just wore a red shirt like two weeks ago and now I can't fit into it. <laughs> Just to let you know, you know, I was sick in the month of December last year. It was, it was quite a severe sickness and I lost a lot of weight. I lost 5 kg. Suddenly, all the clothes that I, could, I, I couldn't wear last time as a teenager, I could wear. You know, it was coming up like, wow, so good, I can, can wear. But now, I, yo, I tell you, nine days in, I've gained 7 kg. <sighs> I should not tell you my total weight, but yeah. 7 kg, that's, can you imagine that? That's, that's terrible, right? I mean, I, I think it's the recuperation, because you fall sick, then you're recuperating back your weight. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to yeah, comfort myself, that's right, I'm trying to comfort myself. Right, so anyway, let's not draw attention to where the weight went to, okay? This year, we are going through the series of David and Solomon. All right, going through the series of David and Solomon. And last, two weekends ago, I, I started the, the, the series off with the life of David, starting from Isaiah 55, verse 3 to 4. And Isaiah 55, verse 3 to 4 says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. He's talking to each and every one of us. Then he says, my faithful love promise to David. So he's making an everlasting love covenant with us, like the one he made with David. Then he says, See, I have made him a witness to the people, a ruler and commander of the peoples. See, when, when he made the covenant with David, he says, See, I have made him a witness. What does make him a witness mean? Means look at him. He is a prototype. He is the first of many to come. He is the role model that we are to follow. So see, I have made him a witness to the people, then a ruler and a commander of the peoples. And this is the same covenant that God wants to make with each and every one of us. And that is why we need to study the life of David. It is so important to study the life of David because he is a forerunner to the many Davids that are to come on this earth. And you know what? There will be Davids on the earth. You know why? Towards the end days, God is restoring worship. Worship in the earthly realm, reflecting what was in the heavenly realms. And David got this. He saw this so well. In one of the Psalms, he said, I heard the Lord talk to my Lord. You're all very puzzled, right? I heard the Lord talk to my Lord. What does it mean? It means that he heard God the Father talking to God the Son, Jesus. You know, when, where would he have heard this? The Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And where's the Father? The Father's on the throne. So what David heard, what David heard was God the Father talking to God the Son at the throne room of God. So David would have been there at the throne room of God. And he would have seen the throne room of God. He's seen the magnificence of it. He would have seen the four angels, the 24 elders, worshipping non-stop 24-7. And that is why, I believe, when David took the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, he placed the Ark there, and instead of a veil that was supposed to surround the Ark to, to demarcate the inner courts, the innermost, or the Holy of the Holies, he said, no veil. 
no veil. Instead, we'll put musicians and singers that will sing 24-7 to the glory of God. David saw something. Because in, if you go back to the laws, the laws will say this is instituted by Moses. You got to put a veil. How did David know not to put that veil? The veil was torn when Jesus died. It's New Testament. But David foresaw. He said, no veil. Instead, musicians and singers. And God is bringing them. He's re-establishing the tabernacle of David in the end days. There will be musicians, there will be singers that will rise up. And that is why we need to study the book of, we need to study Samuel. We need to study the life of David because he wants to raise Davids up. David's, David was the one that when he became king, he took the resources of the government to institute this 24-7 worship. People will be thinking, that's nuts. That's crazy. As a ruler, the first thing you do is you take resources to build the, the, the tent where the ark will sit. You should be bolstering your army. You should be strengthening your economy. But no. David said, the first thing I'll do is I'll institute 24-7. Worship that was happening in the heavenly realms, I'm going to institute it here. And why? Because he said, you know, when he saw the things that were happening in the heavenly realms, he would probably have saw the bowls, the incense. He would see the scroll out of that worship that was happening in the heavenly realms. Revelation 5, the scroll was presented, a scroll with seven seals. And the angel said to John, who is worthy to open the scroll? But John saw no one and he whipped. And suddenly an angel came and said, look up. And John said, I saw a man with the appearance like a lamb that was slain, the lion of the tribe of Judah. See, out of worship emerged Jesus coming out, taking the scroll and opening the scroll. Out of worship and adoration, out of worship, God moves. And David saw that. And David wanted to implement that in his kingdom. Where first and foremost, it is not David ruling, but it was Jesus the one who sat on the throne, who rules. And how would he rule? It's through worship that God will give a decree and he will move. That's why we need to study the book of David. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't reiterate this anymore, but this is, is really, really key. Um, last weekend, I, two weekends ago, I covered 1 Samuel 16 and 17. I talk about David being anointed as king at the age of roughly 15, 17, 18, around there. And then he, he went on to face Goliath. And if he, he defeated Goliath, it was God that defeated Goliath, right? David came up to him and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because he got a revelation. David got a revelation that he was covenanted with God. Well, Goliath wasn't. And it was God that took Goliath down. You know, we know why? You know why? It's because the stone, when you hit something, usually when something hits you at a strong force and from the front, you fall back. But Goliath did not fall back. Goliath fall forward. That's crazy. You get hit over here, the laws of physics suddenly don't apply. He falls forward. This is similar to something that happened in 1 Samuel chapter 5. When the Philistine took the Ark of the Covenant and brought it into the temple of Dagon. Right? The temple of Dagon and they placed it there and the next day they found the idol, the statue of Dagon falling forward prostrating itself before the Ark of the Covenant. This is God's doing. This is God's doing where all other gods, all other false idols would have to prostrate themselves and worship the true God. And that's how we know it's God. This weekend, amen, praise God. Let's give God some praise. This weekend, we are going to look into what I call the dark night of the soul. I know it's a, it's a mouthful and it's very heavy. It's not something that we would usually preach on a Chinese New Year, right? Chinese New Year, you want happy, happy, long life, good long life, uh, prosper, hot, henga, onga, right? Something like that. But I, I, I promise you, it is hot, it is henga, it is ong. Because it has a good ending. You know, if you see the life of David, it has a good 
ending. The reason why I've entitled today's message as the dark night of the soul is because we will cover an extremely difficult and painful period in David's life which spans from 1 Samuel chapter 18 to 22, 23, 24. See, the term, the dark night of the soul was coined by a theologian, okay? Christian, huh? His name is St. John of the Cross. He's from the order, the Carmelite order. The Carmelites were desert fathers. They lived a life of seclusion, wanting to please God, wanting to find God. But St. John of the Cross, yes, he was a Carmelite, but he wanted more. He wanted more. And he started a little movement called the barefoot movement, meaning I will go with less than nothing. The Carmelite movement was already like nearly everything is, is all out for God. But here, St. John of the Cross says, I will go with less, less than what they did. And I believe it was through this encounter, he wrote a, a, he's a, he's a Spaniard, right? So it's a, he wrote this Spanish poem called The Dark Night of the Soul. And that's how it came about. See, this, this process, The Dark Night of the Soul, is a spiritual process that one would have to go through. And it is marked with pressures, pain, challenges, suffering, difficulties, sometimes from one angle, two angles, all angles, sometimes emotional, sometimes physical. And most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, it is also marked with a period of absence from God's voice or His presence. And it is in this period that we are tested and we are also transformed to willfully and willingfully surrender to God's will and His plans. And it's just not, it's not any form of surrender. It's a form of total surrender to say, God, have your way in me. Have your way. Come what may. I will, I will follow you. I will bend to your will. Come have your way. It is not the, the, the part where, Lord, yeah, you can have your way in my career, but not my personal life. No. It's not partial surrender. It is total surrender total surrender to God. So in other words, it's a surrender where you say, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you bring good seasons to me, you bring bad seasons to me, you bring me through the fire, I will follow you because I know your will for me and your will for me is good. Even though I go through difficulties, it is to forge me and I know that you are a good God. So God wants to bring us on this journey today. Would you follow me on this journey so that we may learn how David went into the dark night of the soul and how he emerged victorious from that dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul is also a season that we have to go through that will transform us to be more like Christ. Like I mentioned, it's a total surrender. And most of, most of the time, we are the ones that put ourselves in a difficult situation. But sometimes, we are put by God in that difficult situation. If you were to read 1 Samuel and all these chapters, it is said that the distressing spirit of the Lord, or from the Lord, came upon Saul. It was God that allowed Saul to be distressed. And always when you read the distressing spirit from the Lord is upon Saul, that's when Saul took his javelin and threw it at David. It was driving David into this season. So some of us, we may be in a dark night of the soul. Some of us, yes, it may be our own doing. As you can see, David, he made a few decisions that led on to, uh, to some consequences where he was further in the dark night of the soul. But for some people, God is leading us purposefully, willfully into the dark night of the soul so that we can be forged and we can be transformed. Because you know why? Oil comes from the crushing and the pressing. And God wants to forge oil in all of us. Precious, precious oil. And that will launch us into our destiny. St. John of the Cross has this famous quote when he came to the dark night of the soul. He says, The endurance of darkness is preparation for great light. The endurance of darkness is preparation for great light. And this is what God wants to teach us today. Whatever situation that you are in right now, it could be the dark night of the soul. 
It could be difficulties, trials. It could be challenges. How are we to respond to God in these times? How are we to react? Because we will see over here that there are two reactions. One reaction is are we gripped by fear when we enter into the dark night of the soul? Or the second one, are we gripped by love or are we gripped by faith in this? When we go through the dark night. So two responses, remember this. Two responses. So right now, let's look into 1 Samuel chapter 18. This is where, follow, follow me part one. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you through the life of David and how he entered into the dark night of the soul. Number two, I'm going to show you what happened when he was in the dark night of the soul. And I told you there are two responses. David, unfortunately, had the first response first. He was gripped by fear. Then after that, part three, I will show you his breakthrough. All right, so part one right now. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Can we all read this together? Okay? Can? One, two, three. After David has finished talking with Saul... And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword. Okay, hold on for a bit. I just want to stop here for a bit. Uh, just a sidetrack. See, Jonathan and David covenanted themselves with one another. There's, there's something powerful when it comes to covenanted friends. Okay? And when Jonathan took off his robe, his royal robes, and he gave it to David, what was he saying? He was saying, my authority is now your authority. When he took off his tunic and gave it, he said, my resources are now your resources. When he took off his sword, his belt and his bow and gave it to David, he's saying, your battles are now my battles. This is how powerful covenant friends are. Okay, okay, we can continue. Uh, verse 5, whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, and with timbrel and lyre. 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 I always cannot pronounce this. How to pronounce that? Lyre. That's like lying, right? Yeah, but anyway, as they danced, they sang, Saul has slayed his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. You see, this happened right after the killing of Goliath, okay? Saul decided, David, you're so good, you killed Goliath, I'm going to keep you in the palace. You're going to be one of my men, all right? And on top of that, hey, because you were so good that, and you came in the name of the living God, I'm going to send you out to the Philistines and you're going to, you're going to fight our battles. And that's what he did. Saul sent him out on missions and David would be successful in all of the missions that he was sent out. He was a star student, a top performer. You imagine in class, number one A student, triple A. Is, is there any more than triple A? Don't have, right? 4A, 5A, 7A, I don't know how many A's. But star student. He was the one that every time teacher asks question, yes, ah, okay. He was the one where every time exam, you don't need to say already one, ah, this fella is first. You know, my name is Aaron, right? It is double A, A-A-R-O-N. So every time uh, in class, uh, I'll be the first one. Oh, the first one. But then when it comes to results, uh, <laughs> ah, never mind. <laughs> I, I, I did, I, I, was, I was an okay student, okay? Okay student. But I was a late bloomer. Only in my university years that I suddenly opened up and I really started scoring. God suddenly opened my eyes, okay? Praise God for that. Because of that, I got scholarship also. So yay, praise God. Okay. Anyway, David was a star student, a top performer. And one day, and, and because of that, Saul kept on promoting him until he became a high-ranking officer. All right. You are, you are a new employee in the company and suddenly in less than a year, bam, you are like CFO, CTO, COO. How many O are some more? I don't know already. Okay. I don't know how many O's are there. But bam, you're suddenly so far ahead of people and you are in the top management ranks. 
So imagine that. Wow, such a promotion, such an acceleration. David would, would probably be thinking, hey, wow, Samuel anointed me as king. And now I'm climbing the ranks. Wow, am I seeing the fulfillment of prophecy? Oh, but one day, after one mission, the whole army were coming together with, with King Saul and David. Imagine King Saul riding front, David riding second, and then the, the ladies come out celebrating, and then suddenly they break out in a spontaneous chorus. Saul has slayed his thousands. Saul has slayed his thousands. But David slayed his tens of thousands. Imagine King Saul riding in and listening to that. That was a slap to his face. He's saying, hey, people were saying, hey Saul, you're good. You're here. But David, you're way better. You're here. You know, how many of you watch Suits? I like that show, alright? Suits, a few hands. You know, uh, that guy, that main actor, he, he, he always says, life is here. I am here. And that's what they were saying to King Saul. You are here. David is here. Oh my gosh, oh boy, this will get David in so much trouble. You know why? This will become, this song will become a hit song and it will travel across the land and across the nations and David will encounter this song once again and he'll be struck by fear once again. Wow. See, David just took down 10 foot of a giant, right? And, and on that day when he took down the 10 foot of a giant, he did not know, so he probably became an instant star, instant celebrity. His Instagram account from 20 ships following him will have 200,000 people now following him instantaneously. But then, out of the blue, this song emerges. Saul has slain his thousands. But David has slain ten thousands. Wow. See, that this made Saul very, very, very angry. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 8 onwards, Saul was very angry at this refrain. The, this refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. Hey, the glory that was supposed to be mine is going to David. Something has to be done. Something has to be done. Wow. It's so crazy over here, right? It's so crazy over here. The rest of 1 Samuel 18 was Saul now having been displeased with this refrain, having jealousy now and envy, saying that glory is mine, now starts to send David into the Philistines to fight the Philistines. But now, instead of missions to accomplish, he has an ulterior motive. And that motive is that, David, you go and you go and fight. In his mind, he's thinking, one day, one day, David will fail and he will die at the hands of the Philistines. And hey, he was dying in battle. My hands are clean. My hands are clean. But instead, David was successful in all of his campaigns. See, Saul even wanted to distract David by sending his daughter, Michal, to him. So that one, he, so if he can be distracted, you know, people say you fall in love, ah oh, yeah, forget everything else. You know, oh, he's so in love, he cannot do work already. Saul thought that. But oh, Dave, well, he was wrong. That he, David, David did not fall. David did not fall in battle. And 1 Samuel 18, 28 to 30, it says this, when Saul realized that the Lord was with David, because he kept winning all the battles, and that his daughter, Michal, loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him. And he remained his enemy the rest of his days. The Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle. And as often as they did, David met them with more success than the rest of Saul's officers. And his name became well known. The song just now we sang, You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. This is what it meant. Saul sent him out to die. Saul sent him out on a suicide mission. But God turned it around and he became even more well-known. 
And this is where Saul started to change. You see the transformation? Saul, in 1 Samuel chapter 19, the verse 1, he says, Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. Now, instead of, I'm going to send you out, my hands are clean, now, kill David. It changed. You see the transformation of Saul's heart. Jonathan then convinced Saul, don't kill him, don't kill him. But then, after a while, he was able to be convinced. But after a while, again, jealousy and envy came upon Saul. And the distressing spirit from God was upon him again. And then again, he threw the javelin once again. <sighs> once again, see, if you see this, yes, it was jealousy and envy that opened the door for this to happen. But it was also God in control, driving David into the dark night of the soul. So keep this in mind, okay, keep this in mind. Then 1 Samuel chapter 19, 11 to 17. This is when Saul completely changes and he say, right now, okay, I'm not going to ask you guys to just kill them. Now let's plot. Let's plot. What you guys do is you go, go to his house in the middle of the night, watch it for a bit, sneak into his house and kill him. Now there is a plot to kill David. It became more and more sinister, but David got away. So right now, I want to ask you to put yourself in David's shoes. You are a shepherd boy from Bethlehem. You're tending sheep, you're tending flock, you're worshipping God, minding your own business. Samuel comes, anoint you as king, but hey, you decided, I'm just going to continue worshipping God. I'm just going to tend to the sheep. You tend to the sheep, tend to the sheep. Suddenly, your father says, hey, Go bring food to your brothers in the battlefield. Now, okay, you take some bread, take some oil, take some wine. You go to the battlefield and you see Goliath. And then you are stirred within you. There's a holy anger that comes upon you and sit. And then you feel the anointing of God come upon you and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because you got a revelation that this guy is not supposed to be standing. He's supposed to be prostrated down before the God, the true God. And then you proceed to kill Goliath with the stone with God's power. And because of that, you are then put up, you're given a high rank, you become a high-ranking officer, you're sent out to missions and you become successful. It was an upward trajectory, right? Upward trajectory. And it, mind you, his life in his home might not be easy as well because Jesse didn't even want to show David when Samuel came. It showed that there was some trouble at home. So probably he, was, he didn't feel the love of the father at the point of time. But now, after killing Goliath, King Saul invites him into the palace. Come into my home. Come. Here's my armor. Here's my sword. What's he saying? Here's my authority. Here's my authority. Take it. Here's my army. Take the army and fight my battles. My battles are now your battles. Wow. David will suddenly feel belong. David will suddenly, wow, suddenly a home for me, a father figure that entrusts me with so much and not just that, here's my daughter, marry her. Wow, I am now in the family. I am now a son-in-law of the king, a high-ranking officer. Wow, he would have ascended to great heights. But then little did he know, Saul was actually plotting to kill him. So you put yourself in David's shoes right now. So, David's natural father did not acknowledge him. But now his new father figure outright rejects him. We come to that place. And it's not just rejects him. This far new father figure, who is also his father-in-law, who is demonized, and who is the king of the land, who has 3,000 specially trained soldiers just to hunt David, is out for him. Wow. And I was, I was preaching this in the second service. And my father-in-law was there. <laughs> Thank God I have a very, very good father-in-law. Thank God he's not demonized. Thank God, you know, he's, he's very, very good. So he, no, no chasing, no chasing being done, okay? But imagine that. Being raised up, being brought into the family, now that new father figure rejects him. And, be, and, and he, now he has a family. He has Mikal, you know, as his wife. He has Jonathan as close as a brother to him, covenant friends, as close as a brother, now being torn apart because now he has to run and he has to flee. There will be loneliness, there will be rejection. David went from the heights of killing Goliath, 
from being a high-ranking officer, being successful in all his campaigns, being the son-in-law of the king now, to being hunted and a fugitive. Enter David's dark night of the soul. That is part one. Now we go to part two. We're making good time. Part two. See, the dark night of the soul are moments in life when you end up waking up wondering, who am I? What am I doing here? What am I even doing? How did I end up in this place? How many of you have been there? I've been there. I've been there before. Waking up, not wanting to wake up. Waking up and staying in bed for a very long time because you fear what's going to happen when you step out of bed. You fear what people will say. You fear the perceptions of people. You fear the externalities that you will face. And then when going to bed, you might not even want to go to bed because when you go to bed, the nightmares come. Anxiety comes. You're stricken with fear. When you sleep, you suddenly get a nightmare and you're all emotional tomorrow and you wake up feeling more confused than ever. This is the dark night of the soul. You, this, this, in this moment, you also think, I used to have this and that, but now I have nothing. What do I have right now? See, these are the moments when fear grips you. And sometimes you might even think, the lie even come out of this alive. See, I mentioned at the beginning that there are two reactions, two ways to react and to respond when we enter the dark night of the soul. Number one, you are either gripped with fear, like I mentioned just now, or number two, you are gripped with love and faith. Now when, and David, unfortunately, the very first beginning, he was gripped with fear, right? So part two is going to be the dark night of the soul and how David was gripped with fear, okay? When you are gripped with fear, when David was gripped with fear, he made a lot of foolish mistakes. Why? Because you're not in control of the situation and you are trying to control the situation. You're conjuring up things to make, to make sure you are in control still. And that's what David was trying to do. He ran from the heights to the lowest pits. And David wanted that control. He wanted the control. And in that moment, he was gripped with fear and he makes a series of irrational decisions. We're going to see it in 1 Samuel chapter 21. See, I'm, I'm not going to read, but I'm going to share with you. David went to Nob and he met Ahimelech the priest, right? And Ahimelech over there was asking, what are you doing here? Where's your man? You usually come with your man. What are you doing here? See, what did David do at this point of time? He was running away from Saul. He was gripped with fear. He's, he's afraid that if he were to tell him, Saul is after my head that Ahimelech might turn him in. So what did David do? David lied. He said, I'm on a secret mission for Saul and there was no time. There was no time to gather my resources, to get bread, to get my, my sword or everything. There was no time. Do you have any bread? See, what fear does to you when you're gripped with fear is that it leads you to lies. Lies of the enemy Lies you tell yourself, lies that, that you get yourself into because you want to get in, out of a situation. Sometimes in a business world, right, when you are faced with difficult times, you might suddenly decide, hey, maybe I should just open an invoice, right, from this shell company that nobody knows of or even a fictitious company and just invoice the company so that I have some revenue, so that my books will look good, so that I can get a loan. You see, one thing leads to another thing. And mind you, when you are in that fear, and that fear grips you and leads you to lies, that there is a consequence. There is a consequence. By the way, what I mentioned was fraud. And the, the consequence of fraud is jail term, okay? So don't do that, all right? See, David was gripped with fear in his dark night of his soul, which led to his first irrational decision. He lied. He lied. 
Okay? And let's see the consequence. The consequence was in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Saul finds out that he went to Ahimelech, the priest, and Ahimelech told him everything. And because of that, Ahimelech dies. And more than he dying, 85 other priests died along with him. And more than that, the entire city of Nob was decimated along with his men, women, children, infant. And because Saul was so angry, even the cattles, the cows, the lambs, everything gone, decimated. That was the consequence of Saul's lie. An entire city wiped out except for one person left. So don't think that your actions in that fear and, and in that fear and you're, you're succumbing to that fear and you're, you're lying already. Don't think that there are no consequences. There are consequences. That's number one. Fear led David to lies. It drives you to lies. Number two. Saul then asked Ahimelech, is there any weapon in this place? Is there any weapon? Because the king's mission was so urgent, I could not gather my sword. I could not get my sword. And the priest replied, Ahimelech replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It's wrapped around a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. And David said, take it. You see, when you are gripped with fear in the dark night of your soul, the second irrational decision that people always make, and David made this, was that he relied on human solutions. Number two, fear drives you to human solutions. You see, five chapters ago, just five chapters before this, David went against Goliath and said what? You come against me with sword and spears but I come against you with the living God. But what is David doing right now? He is now resorting to sword and spear. The weaponry of men, not of God. Fear drives you to conjure your own solutions, to come up with your own imagination so that you can solve something and not rely on God because you think, hey, God might not be able to get me out of this. Outward, you say, yeah, God's in control. Inward, you say, I think cannot lah. I better make some plans. I better have some contingent plans at hand. And this is what David did. He resorted to human solutions rather than God's solutions. And sometimes we find ourselves in this predicament as well. Whenever we face a challenging time, straight away we think, how to get out of it? Ah? You ask your friend, how to get out of it? Ah? rather than asking God, God, how do I get out of it? Number three. See, after this, David fled to Gath, and there he met Achish, king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said, hey, isn't this David? Isn't this the, the king of the land? The one that they sang about? Remember I told you the hit song? The hit song now has reached Gath. Saul has killed his thousands. David, his tens of thousands. Oh, and when he heard that, you see, what, what does the Bible say? David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. Once again, gripped with fear. And what did he do now? It says, verse 13, So he pretended to be insane in their presence, and while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman making marks on the door of the gates and letting Sliver run down his beard. Akish said to his servants, look at the man, he's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of mad men that you, bring, that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? See, when David was gripped with fear, it led him to another irrational decision. And that decision is a mental and emotional breakdown. It led him to insanity. You see, sometimes we see in the news when someone is convicted of a crime you know, and they want to get out of the crime so bad that they have that one last card they pull out. And what is that? Plea insanity. 
ugly insanity and I start acting like, all weird. You see, that is what David was trying to do. He was pulling out that insanity card and said, hey, I'm insane. Can I get out of this situation? See, sometimes when you are gripped with fear, fear leads you to the point of mental and emotional breakdown. David was there. He was so fearful. He was scared for his life that, hey, I'm going to act insane. I'm going to go crazy a little bit. So you see, the dark night of the soul, when you're gripped with fear, there are three things that always comes. And sometimes you don't know that you're in a dark night of soul, but the way to see it is look at these three symptoms. You're living in lies. Lies that you tell yourself. Lies that you tell other people. Number two. What's number two? Do you remember? First one is lies. Number two? Human solutions. Human solutions. You are trying to conjure up your own solutions right now to get out of the trouble that you are in. Not, and not relying on God's solution. That's number two. First one is lies. Number two, human solutions. And number three, you are near emotional or mental breakdown. And that's how you know these symptoms that you are in the dark night of the soul and that you are gripped with fear. Now, David went through this, but he did not stay in it. Praise God. Thank God for that. He did not stay in it. Because you see, in 1 Samuel 21, that was when he was acting all insane. But 1 Samuel 22, right at the beginning, he went to the cave in Adullam. And over there, he found 400 men. And the Bible states that he became the commander of the 400 men. He straight away became a leader. He was re-established as a leader. How did an insane man suddenly now become a leader? There was a change. There was a breakthrough that happened. It's not stated in 1 Samuel, but thank God that David wrote a lot of the Psalms, many of the Psalms in many different situations that he was in. And there is one particular Psalm that he wrote when he was acting all insane. And that was Psalms 34. He wrote Psalms 34. It says this, of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech who drove him away and he left. He wrote a psalm. And this psalm gives us an insight on how he switches, how he switches from being, being gripped by fear, now he's gripped by love and by faith. And the first verse already tells us this. The first verse, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Our glory in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. What is this? David was worshipping God. And that is the key. That is the key. David came before God and just started worshipping once again. He says, hey, I'm going through this. I'm going through tough times, but I will worship and when he worshipped the Lord, suddenly a recalibration happened. A recalibration happened. His spirit suddenly got aligned with God once again. And when you are worshipping, you have, you know, you started, he started lifting his hands and saying, hey, he started surrendering to God. God, I don't understand what's happening. Hey, but I will praise you. I don't understand what's happening, but have your way. I don't understand what's happening, but I will surrender to you. You see, right after this, in verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord and He answered me. You see, when he was with Ahimelech in Nod, Ahimelech told Saul that he came to me and asked, him, asked me to inquire of the Lord for him. See, when you're gripped with fear, you usually do not want to go to the Lord. Like I men mentioned, you want human solutions. So he, so he told Ahimelech, please, Ask God for me. Please ask God for me. Get, get a word for me. And a lot of times when we are in this situation, we will come and say, pray to God, ask, ask God, give, give you a word to pass to me. But hey, we are to seek God out. We are to go to God direct. Remember, don't rely on human solutions. Rely on God. Rely on God. And this is what he did. I sought the Lord and the Lord answered me. You see this, he delivered me from all my fears. The grip of fear was now released. 
And he's being delivered right now. He's being delivered from the grip of fear. Then he goes on, those who look to him are radiant. Their face are never covered with shame. This is a man that wrote this right after his insanity streak. That would be shameful from someone of a high-ranking officer, for someone that killed Goliath, someone leading armies. Now, he's saying this, their face are never covered with shame. See, he was delivered not just from fear, he was delivered from shame. He was delivered internally and emotionally. Suddenly, he had a freedom within him. All because he worshipped God. And there was a recalibration that happened. He remembered who he is. He remembered who God has called him to be. He remembered that God was his reward. He recalibrated and now, I am the redeemed one. I am the covenanted one. The circumcised one. That's why, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because Goliath wasn't covenanted with him. But now David remembered, I am covenanted with God. I have His protection. He will deliver me. He's delivered me from fear. Now my shame is gone. Then he goes on. The poor man called. He's talking about himself. And the Lord heard him. The Lord hears him. He saved him out of all his troubles. See, David was still in trouble. He was still running away from Saul. But David said, he saves me out of all my troubles. That trouble was the trouble of the heart. The dark night of his soul. Some will say the dark night of the Saul. That's a pun there, anyway. But yes, the dark night of his soul. See, he says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Now, he has a testimony to tell. When you're gripped with fear and you surrender it to God and you worship God, now he comes to deliver you. And the Lord encamps around you to guard you now. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, David was still running away. He was in the midst of Nod and, not, 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 of Gath and Adullam. There was nothing good about it yet, but he can say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because emotionally, internally, he felt a lift in him. He felt freedom in him. He felt love starting to fill him. Because when you worship God, a shift happens and a surrendering happens. When that happens, he says, if I die, I die. I perish. I perish calling or no calling, anointing or no anointing, king or no king. You are all that I need. You're my saviour. You're my lover. You're my reward. A surrendering to God's love happened. And when that happened, now David's heart is gripped by the love of God and now gripped by faith in God. So when David worshipped God, he felt the love of God just coming upon him. And 1 John 14 says, love cast out fear. And that's what exactly happened to David. The love of God came and the fear was gone. Amen? Amen. That's part two, part three. Part three. This was David's breakthrough. Now I'm going to share with you, and this is my closing as well. Can I get the worship team up? I'm going to share with you one person in the Bible that went through the dark night of the soul. But this person, she decided that she will not be gripped by fear but instead, she will be gripped by love and by faith in God. And this person is none other than Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany felt the dark night of the soul when her brother Lazarus died. See, when the brother was sick, really ill, she sent word out to Jesus saying, Lord, your beloved is sick. And Jesus sent a message back saying, his sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of the Lord. See, he gave a word. The word was his sickness was not unto death. But we all know the story. Lazarus dies. Lazarus dies, right? And in the Bible, it states that Jesus delayed two days. He heard, he got the message, and he stayed on for two more days. Purposefully staying on for two more days because he wanted Mary and Martha to enter the dark night of the soul. 
And like how I mentioned before, how you react and how you respond, how you react and how you respond will determine how you get out of the dark night of soul, whether is it good or whether is it bad. And when finally Jesus came, Jesus came, Martha met her and Martha said, hey, Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would have lived. You see, Martha was gripped with fear and more than that, she was gripped with anger. For fear now leads to anger and that's how it was for Saul. Saul was fearful of David and led on to anger and from anger became hate. And then he started plotting to kill. See, Martha was gripped with fear and anger. Lord, if you had been here, he would have lived. And, he, and she masked herself, covered herself up with theological answers, smart answers. When Jesus started to say, don't you know that I am the life? That I am the resurrection, don't you know? She says, yes, the resurrection will come in the end days. See, God was trying to bring her to the place of surrender, to the place of yielding. But she did not get it. Now, after that, when she left, she sent for Mary and Mary came before God. Mary came before Jesus. And the first thing that Mary did was Mary knelt down, bowed before Jesus and worshipped Him. She came down on the floor and she whipped. And she whipped. And then she said the same words that Martha said, Lord, if only you were here, if only you were here, he would have lived. You see, the tone was different. Instead of being gripped by fear and anger, and when, and when you're gripped by fear and anger, an accusatory tone comes out, if only you are here. But she is gripped by the love of God and she's gripped by the faith in Him because He said, this sickness is not unto death. And this is the one where she sat at the feet of God, listening to every single word He has to say. Every single word that comes out of the mouth, she listened. And mind you, at that point of time, a woman is not supposed to sit at the feet of a teacher. Upon, with all the pressures and all that, she still sat. Because I love this man. He is life. And the words that come out from him is life. And I will hang on to every single word that comes out. And she was hanging on to the word. And that's why she was so conflicted. That's why she came and said, yes, because she was gripped with the words of God, with faith and with love. Lord, I love you. Lord, I have faith in your word. But I'm, I'm struggling right now. God, I'm struggling. Just like David when he was struggling. I'm struggling because your word says, this sickness is not unto death. But my brother has died. I don't understand this. I'm hurting. I'm struggling. Your word says he will live. I don't understand it, but... I will still come before you and I will still worship you. I will still trust you. Therefore, I am here on my knees weeping for you, weeping. Lord, if only you were here. You see, it wasn't accusatory. It was a cry of intercession within a heart saying, Lord, I surrender. I surrender to you. Lord, I love you and I surrender. Bible says Jesus groaned within his spirit. He groaned within his spirit. And out of that, Jesus was moved. He was moved. And out of that, he called Lazarus, come out. You see what Mary did? Mary was able to pull a resurrection, a miracle out of Jesus because her heart was gripped with love and faith in God. And that was the same for David in 1 Samuel chapter 22, 22. David left Gap and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. There was a turning around. There was a turning around. Now he is a commander of 400 men again. Now stature is being restored. Influence is being restored. And not just that. 
It's funny because these 400 men were distressed. These 400 men were in debt to the king. And these 400 men probably might have followed David. So these 400 men in, in, in Psalms 57, David says that these are lions. These are beasts, ravenous beasts with sharp teeth, as sharp as spears and swords. These were not easy people. These were people that were going through the dark night of the soul. But, they, but God was saying, David, I've delivered you from the dark night of the soul so that you may lead others that are in the dark night of the soul out of it. Out of it. This day, there are some of us here that is in the dark night of the soul. You are feeling, oh my gosh, I don't want to wake up in the morning. I'm struggling to wake up. Sometimes it goes up to 11 a.m., 3 of noon, and you're still not out of bed. You're thinking, hey, it's better if I don't get out of bed ever and I just fall back asleep forever. Some of us here are thinking that. I want to tell you that I've been through that. It's a tough time. It's a tough time when you're going through that. You feel all alone, you feel rejected. It's really tough. But I want to tell you something that God can change that. You know the feeling that you get? Remember I told you about just going to sleep, not wanting to sleep? I felt that. That's why I can tell you that. I didn't want to sleep. 2, 3 a.m. And I didn't want to sleep. Why? Because I sleep, I know I will get nightmares. I'll be haunted by anxieties and fears of the situation that I'm in. I will wake up feeling worse than ever, confused. And I'll wake up in like one, two hours. So it's not good rest. It's not good rest and I'll keep myself awake again. But hey, we're only human. We'll fall asleep. And when you fall asleep, same thing happens. Nightmares, anxieties, fears come to you. And when you finally wake up, you wake up feeling all confused. What's happening? Where am I? Who am I? You're in distress. And when you wake up, you suddenly feel like, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to get out of bed. So this day, there are people that are going through this dark night of the soul. Some of you, you might feel difficulties. There might be pressures. You might be living in lies. You might be relying on your own human solutions. God says it's now time to get out. It's time to realign to God. You know what happened to me in that season? I came to church reluctantly. I came to church. And there was a worship session that was happening before Pastor Chu came up. There was a worship session that was happening. And I knew, I knew, you know, at a point of time, I didn't want to lift my hands. My hands were weighed down. If you're going through that, you know. You just don't want to do anything. You just want to sit there. You want to disappear. You want to hide behind the, the darkness. Find some quiet place where nobody can see you. And I knew that. I felt that. But I felt God saying, hey, it's time to come back. So what I did was, with all the might that I can master, I did what David did in Psalm 34. I extol the Lord. I raised my hands. Raised my hands. Although I knew in myself that, you know, I really didn't want to, but I still raised my hands anyway. His praise will ever be on my lips. I begin to sing. I started singing with the worship team. And guess what? Suddenly a realignment happened. Suddenly I felt God just coming into my life once again. I felt the love of God just rushing in. Wow. And the loneliness, the rejection, the fear began to depart because I felt the love of God. Well, I was going through this, what, three, four months and in one worship session, bam, I'm out of it. I'm out of it. I remember now that I was called of the Lord. That I am a son of the living God and I have a destiny in Him. And because of that, I can stand here today and worship Him and tell you that your breakthrough is coming. I got that breakthrough. You can have that breakthrough. Would you believe in it? Would you worship God and surrender to Him and be gripped by love and faith and not be gripped by fear? Would you do that, church? 
Right now, church, I want to ask you to rise. We're going to worship Him right now. And I want us to practice what was just taught. If you are that person right now feeling difficult to lift your hands or praise or worship, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to open your mouth. Let praise be on your lips. Let us extol God right now. And what we're going to sing is we're going to surrender to God in this place. Amen. Let's do this right now. Let us worship God. Here is where I lay it down.